In Acts chapter 7, the first, the first mention that we have in Scripture of Saul is in Saul that became the Apostle Paul. There's King Saul in the Old Testament. But the first mention that we have of Saul, who later becomes Paul in the New Testament, is Acts, it's Acts chapter 7 and verse 58 is, is where he's first mentioned. And the context of this is a man by the name of Stephen is being stoned for what he believes and is preached. And, and Saul is there and, and the Bible says in verse 58 of chapter 7, and cast him out of the city, Stephen, and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. So, so the, the, the first glimpse we get of Saul is standing there, and I've always said holding their coats, but actually that's not what it says. It says they put their coats at his feet. He was responsible for them. Just kind of funny to me how sometimes we, 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 we add to or we modify, but I don't think it's that critical just pointing it out. Be careful that you know what the word says. But they laid their coats, they laid their garments at his feet, and, and Saul is standing there in approval. And, and if you, if you want to know how I can say that, we go to verse 1 of chapter 8, and it says that Saul was consenting unto his death. Understand that the chapter breakups in the Bible is, is not it, that, that wasn't in the original that was put there for our reference. So chapter, you know, you start a new chapter in a book and subconsciously it's, it's a new chapter. <laughs> but, but this is a continuation and verse, verse 1 says, Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that, at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And, and devout men received Stephen. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every home, every house, and and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the, the word of God. Our, our, our first introduction to Saul is, is this man who is, some people are just indifferent to God. Some people are just indifferent to Christianity. But then there are those that there's something in them that resists and fights and and Saul was not just indifferent to those that were becoming followers of Jesus it there was something down deep inside of Saul that resisted 
and opposed it to the point that he stands there and, and consents to the death of Stephen as he's being stoned. And, and then as we read in chapter 8, he is going around and he's pulling men and women out of their homes and having them thrown into jail. He was, he was fighting against, not just verbally, but he was physically fighting against the, the growth and development of the, the New Testament church. As we read on and go to chapter 9 is where it kind of picks back up again specifically about Saul. And the scripture says this in chapter 9 verse number 1. And Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he if he found any of this way this way of christianity whether they were men or women he might bring them bound unto jerusalem he is he's not just doing this on his own but he's getting some endorsements to do what he's doing he is driven with this passion to stamp out christians and he gets permission. Oftentimes it's, it's the men that are targeted in, in, in situations. And the men, we, we go in, we go throughout scripture. We go into the time of Moses when Moses was an infant. It was, it was the male children that were the ones that were to be thrown into the, to the river. And we go to the time of Jesus when he was young and it was all of the male children under a certain age that were supposed to be. So it, it wouldn't make it any better if Saul was just targeting the men, but, but it does add to it that he wasn't just out for the men. He didn't care. He wanted all of them. I, I want permission to, to take men and women and drag them and throw them into prison. He was driven with this passion to fight against Christianity and the followers of Jesus. Now, he now gets these letters, he gets this endorsement to be able to do this, and, 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 and he, he journeys to Damascus. And as he's on the way to Damascus, there was, the Bible says in verse number 4, He fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And, 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 he, is, and, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go unto the city, and it shall be told thee what thou ought to do. When you, when you get to the city, it's interesting that Saul was on the road to Damascus for one reason, but God had a whole nother reason for the road to Damascus. Can I tell somebody today, you may be traveling down a road for one reason, and you think you've got your mind made up, but God is able to take the very road you've been traveling down for evil and turn it around and use it for your good. He said, Saul, you go ahead and finish the trip, but when you get there, there's going to be somebody waiting on you to tell you what you should do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, 
hearing a voice but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth and, 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 and when his eyes were open, he saw no man, but they led him by his hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three, he was three days without sight and nothing and neither. I either got to get better glasses or a bigger print Bible, one or the other. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. I, I got a feeling that when when the Lord called Ananias' name and he heard it, he thought, Yeah, Lord, what's what you need? Sure, Lord, what, what's going on? Talk to me, Jesus. <laughs> Whatever you want to say, I'm listening. <laughs> he says, uh, yes, Lord, I, I, I'm here. What you need? <laughs> oh, Ananias, you have no idea. If you, could, if you could make a list of things you think the Lord is about to tell you, what he needs you for, I promise you this would not be on your list, Ananias. What do you need, Lord? I'm, I'm here. The Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. Oh. Oh, Lord. You, you want to... I think I, we, we, we broke up. I'm in a bad spot. Any other Verizon mobile folks here? Anybody else know that this area is the worst area in the world for Verizon reception? The place that I spend majority of my life. I can guarantee when you're driving down Ritchie Highway, you're going to hit some spots. And the good thing is when you're talking to somebody and when my wife and I are on the phone with each other and we know one of us is just, just be patient for a moment. Hang on. Well, sorry, Lord, you were breaking up. Uh, yeah, yeah, I want you to go to the house of Judas for, for one called Saul of Tarsus. There probably was more than one Saul, so he, he made it clear. Saul of Tarsus. I want you to go there, Saul, or excuse me, Ananias, because he prays. Lord, I definitely lost you on that one. We are talking about the Saul who's been wreaking havoc on the church, right? We're talking about that Saul, right? Yeah, that, that Saul, Ananias. I, I want you to go to the house of Judas because Saul is there praying. I, I don't, and I know this is, that you need to be careful. Please hear me. Be careful with this. But, but actually, John says, if everything that Jesus did and says was written, there wouldn't be space to contain the books. So I don't think the only thing people thought and did and whatever is strictly what was written in the Bible. So, so just, just, just 
bear with me for a moment to just imagine what Ananias may have done in his mind in this moment or two. But, but Lord, this is, this is Saul that's going into houses and pulling out dads and moms and throwing them into prison and, 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 you know, how about telling me to go away from him? How about like you told Joseph and, and others that, you know, there's trouble coming, go the op. You, you want me to go to Saul? Lord, I, I don't know about this. I mean, this, this guy is, he's, a, he's a bad dude. Yeah, I want you to go, Ananias, because Saul is praying. And then it's this. <laughs> It's this next verse that since Tuesday evening of this week has absolutely just been churning and burning in my spirit. Listen listen to what the Lord says to Ananias after he tells him, I, I want you to go there because he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his... Actually, it's a couple more verses, sorry. And putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many. I should have kept reading. Kept reading. <laughs> I have heard by many this man how much evil he had done to the saints at Jerusalem. And, and, and here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Lord... Can we talk about this for a moment? Lord, can we, can we kind of... How about you let me just pray and you send somebody else? This, this, guy is, this guy is trouble, Lord. You want me to go to him? Watch, watch this. But the Lord said unto him, Go... Thy way. Here it is. This, 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 this next phrase is what I was talking about. Go thy way for he. He saw. The one that you're talking about causing all of this evil. He is a chosen vessel unto me. To bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. I, I, I realize, Ananias, that what you and the rest of the believers would pr probably really like to see me do is just send a lightning bolt down from heaven and zap Saul and just completely annihilate him from the face of the earth. But I can't do that. Ananias because Saul the persecutor of the church the one wreaking all kinds of havoc on believers is a chosen a chosen vessel I, I need you to understand Ananias I'm not going to use Saul by default I'm not going to allow Saul to become a Christian by simply mercy I have actually chosen Saul I reread this morning for a few moments and we don't necessarily get a whole lot of background on all of them but I reread about the disciples
that Jesus picked and based on at least face value of Scripture, you could look at the disciples and say, you know what, I can understand him choosing them. He, he chose a couple of them that were fishermen. They, they were just good, hard-working men. He, he chose one. Philip goes to this one and says, hey, I, I've met the Messiah. Yeah, well, he's from Nazareth. There's no good thing that can come out of Nazareth. Jesus shows up to him. He says, "Uh, Nathaniel, while you were sitting under the tree over there, I." and then he says this to him. He says, the one in whom is no guile. I mean, come on. how How could you not pick a disciple? Who has no guile in him. Come on, that's, that makes sense. I mean, and, and the rest of them, they didn't have theological degrees. They weren't doctors of theology from the prestigious seminaries of the day. That, but, but they were just good guys. They were guys that if you saw them walking down the street and you knew about them at all, you wouldn't scurry into the house and lock the doors because here comes Peter and John. You better watch out there. No, they're they're just average, everyday guys. And, And so we can kind of understand that. But when it comes to picking the most influential apostle, we can debate that if you want to, but that's not really the point. How about this? Maybe I can say it this way. Outside of Jesus, the most influential man. It wasn't one of those good guys that he picked. It wasn't just, I mean, the, 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 about the worst we know of the crew that Jesus picked was an IRS agent. That, that was the extent. Outside of that, they were just good guys. But when it comes to picking the one who was going to write most of the New Testament, who was going to say some of the most influential things that we need in our relationship with God personally, as a church collectively, he says, I, I have chosen Saul. I have chosen what in essence is one of the most unlikely individuals to be the one because what I need everyone from this point forward forward to know is I don't care how unlikely it seems that I can do something with you. I don't care what the past mistakes may be. You are a chosen chosen I got to tell you, I don't, maybe you see it differently and that's okay. Uh, Just, it's just my perspective. I'm not saying it's doctrine. I'm just saying it's my perspective. But, but, but I, I, I don't, I don't really struggle with God taking a drug addict and delivering them and making them a great man or woman of God. I, okay. I don't really struggle with God taking an alcoholic and doing that. And I mean, that, it's not right, but, but, but that's just, I mean, you're going to take a guy? Can you imagine? I don't know if I've ever said this preaching. I think I have. I know I've said it to individuals a number of times. Can, you know, you stand up here and 
and you minister. And if you're, many of you have never done this, so let me give you a little bit of insight. I, one of the, one of the biggest challenges I think face, you face in, in preaching and teaching to others is as you are preaching, the enemy is in your mind. Say, you got no right to do this. You, you don't deserve to be speaking to these people. You, you haven't prayed enough. You haven't done this enough. You messed up here and you made a mistake there. And, but, but, but the deal is that all that basically usually has to do with your private personal life. And it's, it's still a, it still can be a great struggle. Don't get me wrong. But can you imagine what it must have been like to, to stand, to now stand? Uh, come on, I, I, maybe you don't get it yet. Hopefully you do, but, but this is just a continuation of what the Lord is already doing in this place. Can you imagine what it must be like to now stand and try to speak to people about Jesus who are sitting there that they may have had a, a husband or a wife or a parent or a sibling that you were responsible for throwing into jail or maybe you consented to their death and Paul's got to stand there and speak to those people knowing that weeks, months, years ago I was trying to kill you. I was trying trying to stamp you out. But God said, Saul, you are a chosen. Anybody ever eaten something for dinner because that's all there was? That's one of the nice things about becoming an adult. You're a kid, man. You got to eat what's put before you. I was, I was, I was probably six or seven at the time. I think maybe actually a little bit older, but somewhere in that range. I definitely wasn't like eighteen. I know that. We had peas. My mom served peas for dinner. I don't like peas. How many of you like peas? Well, that's way more than I thought. Most people are like. Look at that! I got I got sister sister Leah's back there, about ready to have a shout back there while peas. And I'm like, I didn't like peas, and I didn't want peas. For better or worse, that was one of those days my mom made dessert. And my dad said. You're not getting any dessert until you eat your peas. So I initially I thought, okay, because I, I want the I love dessert. I think maybe one of the things about heaven is gonna be all of the sweets and stuff is not gonna have any calories, any fat, just gonna be. I was I was doing my part in making some cookies for an upcoming event this weekend. I can't name the event. How hard it is to make cookies and not eat them? If if you don't know how hard that is, you you are got something wrong. So hopefully, I, I'm just telling you, I love. So I finally, I mean, it reached a point that I'm like, okay, you know what? I don't want dessert. 
to which my dad responded, well, you're not getting up from the table until you eat them. Like, whoa. In the world, that's not fair. What happened to negotiation here? If it was 2023, he'd have said, sorry, we don't negotiate with terrorists. There's times that I've, I've, I've been overseas, especially, and traveled in places where I ate. I, I don't I don't hate me for this, but I don't like rice. <gasps> I'm so I don't like rice. I don't. What is it about it? I don't know. I don't like it. Have you tried? Yes, I have tried it numerous times, many different ways, and I don't like it. You know how hard that's been on my wife for 30 years of marriage? Because there's a lot of dishes. It's just the normal thing is to make rice with them. I ate beans and rice for two plus months in Brazil when I was 19. Because that's, number one, that's all that was there. Number two, I didn't want to offend anybody. And I, so. It's one thing to accept something by default. I mean, (laughs) I, I, I've used this many times before. I use it again today. I mean, if I if I would have gone to my wife in 1991 and said, "Would you marry me?" and if she would have responded and said, "Well, there's not really much other options out there, so I guess I'll take you," I'm pretty sure I would have been like, "Thanks, but no thanks. I don't want to be just." You ever notice if two ladies are talking and one lady says to the other lady, how does this look? And a fellow lady says, it's fine. No problem. It's fine. Is this dress okay? Yeah, it's fine. Okay, thanks. But you let someone of a different gender. How does this look? It's fine. I knew you didn't like it. Wait a minute. I've heard others say. I mean, I, through the years, my, my daughters have done that when they were still at home. My wife said, does this look okay? Yeah, it's fine, Mom. Oh, okay, thanks. Then she comes to me right after. So what do you think about this? Yeah, it's fine. It's one thing when you accept something by default. I, I, I'm, I, I'm, you, I know most of you heard I'm quiet, but until you've really been around me, I, I know if you judge me by this, you're like, quiet? Yeah, you run your mouth for an hour and a half. What in the world? I get it all out three times a week. The rest of the week. <laughs> Milo was at our house the other day. That's, that's Nathaniel's fiance for six more days. <laughs> I'm pathetic. Y'all know that I'm pathetic. I usually come up to the church on Sunday mornings. It's my normal routine to come up on, to the church on Sunday mornings early, and I spend my time praying and preparing here. But today was the last Sunday morning my son would ever walk out of my house as a single young man. So I decided for some stupid reason I would sit in my chair and watch that moment. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. 
Where's Kevin? Not just your side that's struggling. So the other day, Mila was there, and she was opening a birthday present, and she's, I love it. Oh, I, I love it. And after several times of her saying that, I stepped into the room. I said, Mila, just so you know, around this house, when you say that phrase that way over and over, it means you really don't like it, but you don't know what else to say. But, but I do. She was genuine and sincere, but I couldn't. The sad thing is, is when I finally do speak, it's stuff like that. So, but, but let's get back serious here again. Now that I've had my moment of therapy, I took a picture too. And he's standing there. It just so happened the picture I took, he's got two cups of coffee. Was one of them Mila's? Figured that. And a big smile on his face, which actually the smile had nothing to do with the fact he was leaving the house on Sunday morning the last time as a single young man. But that's what is now in my phone. No tears, no sorrow, none of it. I know a few of you parents are like, yeah, I'd love to have that moment. I'm sorry for you. It's meaning you'd like to get rid of them. Anyway, where were we? Somebody's got to hear me because you've got to understand God's not looking at one person, not one single person. Some of you can believe that without issues, but some of you that that song was ministering to, not so much. There's not one single person in this room today that God is looking at you going, yeah, sure, I'll take you if you'll repent. I guess I don't really have a choice because I'm God. And that's what I know. I've come to tell some people today, you, I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you've done or haven't done. I'm here to tell you today, he's not done with you yet, that you are a chosen, chosen vessel. I love this next verse. I love this next verse because watch what happens. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, putting his hands on Saul, he says, Brother Saul. Wow. He hadn't repented yet. He he hadn't been baptized yet. He hadn't been filled with the Holy Ghost yet. But Ananias says, God, if you say he's a chosen vessel, he's a chosen vessel. He 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 didn't he didn't go in there and walk in with a couple of bodyguards. He didn't walk into the house of Judas with some, some, some big old bodyguard saying, uh, Saul, I'm here to test the waters. Let me see what you're going to do, Saul. Let me, let me see how you're going to respond because if, if you start to do anything threatening, I, I'm out of here, but I got somebody to, no, he went there and, and essentially with open arms, he just walks in and he says, brother Saul, It wasn't, it wasn't, 
It wasn't, man, I got this guy that's causing all kind of chaos and problems and wreaking havoc on the church. I, I got to figure out how to deal with him. It wasn't God's response. It wasn't God's plan. God says, I know what he's been doing. I know he's causing all kind of trouble. I know he's, I know he's hurting people and I, but, but, but he is a chosen, a chosen vessel. In a situation several days ago, I think I'm almost done, I think, but God's not. I was, I was in a situation the other day, and as I was in this situation, this, this song just popped into mind, and I think there's some people here this morning, you need to hear it. Hello, my name is Regret. I'm pretty sure we've met. Every single day of your life, I'm the whisper inside that won't let you forget. Hello, my name is Defeat. I know you recognize me. Just when you think you can win, I'll drag you right back down again till you've lost all belief. Oh, these are the voices and these are the lies. And I have believed them for the very last time. Hello, my name is child of the one true king. I've been saved. I've been changed. I have been set free. Amazing grace is the song I sing. Hello, my name is child of the one true king. I realize it doesn't happen for everybody, but Saul got a literal name change. You're not that anymore, Saul. You're not that guy persecuting and wreaking havoc on the church. But you are Paul, and I'm going to do some things in and through your life that don't match up to what your past was. I'm preaching to some people today. I'm preaching to some born-again people today that you have made up your mind. Your future is a bleak future. And if you can somehow just get, if you can just be saved, that's enough. I'm here to tell you today that's not God's plan. That's not God's plan. Your plan may be just to be saved, but that's not God's plan. That prodigal son who had gone away from home and blew everything, wasted his father's inheritance, he decides to come back home. And when he decides to come back home, the reason he decided to come home is because the servants, just the servants, the servants in my father's house have it better than I have it. So he begins to make that... That walk home and you know every time I now go to talk about something that's not in the scripture, I remember that question you asked me in the car ride to youth congress. And you know what? I appreciate you asking that question. I mean that sincerely, so don't so you don't read this. Matthew wanted to know what Pastor, I don't remember exactly how he asked, but you know, when people talk about stuff, you know, about stories in the Bible, and it's not, I mean, what about that? I'm like, that's a good, good point. 
That's why I try to make it clear when it's my imagination and I'm not telling you it's Bible. So pardon me for a moment for using my imagination. I don't know how long the walk was to get from the pig pen to the father's house. I don't know if it was miles and miles and miles, if it was a couple of day trip, I don't know. But I I imagine it was probably at least a couple of miles. That's just the way I imagine it. And I imagine that the entire walk home from that pig pen because the Bible does tell us what he was going to say to his father. The next part may not be there, but that part is. I imagine the entire way home he is rehearsing his speech to his father. Nobody's around. He's by himself and he's just he's, he's trying different tones trying different phraseology of what he's going to say to his dad and how he's going to say it. and it's, In essence, he's, he's made up his mind. I'm going to get to my dad and I'm going to say, listen, I know, I know I am not worthy to be yours. I know that. I know I don't deserve anything from you based on what you've already given me and how I wasted that. So if you would just be willing to just, just, would you let me be another one of your hired servants? I'll give up my, my right as a son. I'll, I'll give up the things that I'm used to that I have as a son. Just let me be a servant in your house. I just imagine that as he walked that road back home, Hundreds of times, I think, hundreds of times, Brother Ian, I think he rehearsed his speech. According to that parable, he never had a chance. Never got a chance. All of the stress... All of the anxiety that he battled with of what's going to happen when I say this? Is he even going to hear me? Will, will he even let me tell him I just want to be a servant? Bible says that when that father saw him afar off, that he runs for him. I got a question. When that son saw that father running, what do you think he thought at first? I knew this wasn't going to go well. I knew this was going to be trouble. I'm not even going to get on the property. He's not even going to let me get to the property line. He's running here to tell me, you better turn around, boy. I don't even want to see your face. I don't know how much the distance was between them when that father started running. And I can imagine as that father starts running, if he'd have had an Apple watch on, it'd have been going crazy because his heart rate was racing way too fast. The last thing in the world he expected. He didn't even get a chance to say his rehearsed speech because the father embraces him. 
welcomes him and begins kind of like Ananias with Saul. He didn't hug him and then say, well, listen, if you can prove to me for a couple of weeks that you're back and you're responsible and all, then I'll, 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 we'll, we'll talk about your future then. With the stink of the pig pen still on him. With the same clothes that he was feeding pigs with. The father doesn't even care about the dirt on his clothes. He embraces him. He welcomes him home. And then he starts barking out orders. Let's have a party. I need some clean clothes. I need new shoes. Put a ring on his finger. You know that calf, that cow we've been saving. We're getting ready to have a party. Let's kill it and celebrate. Because my son who was lost has come home there are some chosen vessels in this place today that you don't think you're chosen anymore you think you have forfeited your place in God's plan in God's kingdom but God sent the worship team today and God sent me today to tell you you are a chosen You're chosen. God's not saying I got to forgive you because that's what I do. No, no. God's saying I've been waiting on this moment. I've been waiting on this opportunity. I've been anxiously awaiting for the chance to show you my grace, my mercy, my love. you're not in this category it doesn't mean that God's not talking to you and not drawing to drawing you today but I think what I feel most strongly this morning there is people there are people in this place that like Saul you're 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 disqualified you think you're disqualified and like the prodigal son you think you've blown it and you've forfeited the future but I'm here today to tell you that's a lie from the pits of hell Alive from the enemy. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to quit. I'm, this altar is open if you need it, but I just, I'm not trying to preach a sermon today. I'm trying to deliver a message. I realize it was a little bit different circumstances. It wasn't necessarily like some of these I've used, but, but the Bible tells us the story of Ruth and, and the story of her mother-in-law, Naomi. And the Bible says that Naomi and her husband and her two sons left Bethlehem because there was a famine and they went down to Moab. And in the course of time, her husband and her two sons die. And then she finally decides, I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. And so she says to her two daughters-in-law, listen, I know that where I'm going is not where you're from. And you're from Moab and so I release you to stay here and and one of her daughters-in-law readily accepted that offer but the other one Ruth said no I'm not staying here your people will be my people your God will be my God wherever you go that's where I'm going much of the story seems to be about Ruth but Naomi is definitely a significant character in the story When Naomi gets back to Bethlehem, and her friends and her family see her coming, they all begin to say, look, here comes Naomi. Here comes Naomi. 
Naomi's coming home. And because of what she had been through, and because of what she expected in her future, she responds and she says this. Don't call me Naomi anymore. But call me Mara. Because God has dealt bitterly with me. She said, I went out full. And I've come back empty. And in essence, what she was saying was, I have no future. I have no future. I've blown it. I've forfeited it. I don't have a future. Oh, Naomi. Naomi, do you not only have a future, but you've got one of the most important futures that anybody else has ever had. If you read in the genealogy of Jesus, I believe it's the one in Matthew, Matthew or Luke, I forget. If you read in the genealogy of Jesus, it is predominantly all the men, all the men that are listed in that genealogy. If memory serves me correctly, in all of that genealogy, there's only four ladies that are mentioned. Oh, Lord, let faith rise in this sanctuary right now. There's only four ladies in all of that genealogy that are mentioned. And you know what's so interesting about those four ladies? Every single one of them had a bad reputation. One of them was the harlot that two spies stayed in her house when the children of Israel were spying out Egypt. Or excuse me, Jericho. Rahab the harlot. And, and, and one of the other ones is Ruth, the Moabite. You see, there would have been no Ruth in the genealogy of Jesus had there not been a Naomi who went to Moab and lost everything but she really hadn't lost I, I, I can't explain I, I don't think I can explain this all to you but it was a part of God's plan for her to leave Bethlehem go through all of the loss she did because God decided I need Ruth I need Ruth I don't remember. I keep meaning, Sister Rebecca, to ask you. I can't remember because you, you made a statement to my wife and I months ago when we met in my office that I, I wish I could remember it off the top of my head, but in essence, that statement is what I'm preaching right now. You, you, you may have gone out full. Think you've come back empty. 
He's gonna, just going to try to get to heaven. Let me see if I can just, no, 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 no. There, there's some things that your story is needed for in the genealogy of Jesus. Can I tell some people here today, you think what you've done has disqualified you, but grace, grace is going to use you to bring about some things that are far above and beyond what the enemy wants you to think is possible. Would you bow your heads right now and close your eyes? I don't know who you are today. I don't need to know. I just know there are some people in this sanctuary today that God has orchestrated this service today for you and if you think it might be you I beg of you don't sit around and question that maybe God's talking to me but he's probably just talking to somebody else if you think he might be talking to you I'm here to tell you he's talking to you he's able he's able you haven't forfeited anything Saul, what you've done has not disqualified you. Saul, what you've done, God's not just going to simply annihilate you. But Saul, in spite of what you've done, God has decided you are a chosen vessel. I appeal to somebody right now. Would you decide to make up your mind today? I'm not going to keep listening to the voice of regret. I'm not going to keep listening to the voice of defeat. I'm not going to keep listening to the voice of shame. I'm not going to keep listening to the voice of condemnation and guilt. I... I'm a child of the one true king. The path that I've been on, it may not have been the path that I planned, but it's the path that God knew I was going to take. And that path has not disqualified me from what God has for me. Come on, if it's only one, that's fine. I'm okay if it's only one person God's trying to reach today. But I just feel it's more than one. It's more than one here today. That God is reaching for you this morning. God is pulling for you today. I'm amazed that you choose me. If Saul can overcome the shame of being the persecutor of the church, if Saul can overcome that and write the the epistles that he wrote in the New Testament, don't tell me there's anything you've done that disqualifies you from what God has planned for your life. Come on, church. I need you to be sensitive. I need you to be sensitive. I think there's some people that are still sitting. And the only reason they're sitting is just because the enemy is battling their minds with guilt and condemnation. Would you let the Lord lead you right now, church? Come on, if you don't need to respond for yourself, would you be a chosen vessel for God to use? 
doesn't have to choose you, but he does. He doesn't have to choose you, but he still does. He chooses you. He chooses you. All the words are not but you love me. I'm amazed. I'm amazed that you choose me. I'm amazed. So amazed, God. Hallelujah. You found us. 